exactly quoting Psalm 90, but it's based on Psalm 90. We are following Ephesians and Colossians, which direct us to sing psalms. That's what we're doing this morning. Number 10. Oh, oh God, our help in ages past. <clears throat> let's sing uh, verses. Let's sing all five. All five verses.
a birthday or two this month. Let's see, Mike's is on the 6th. Carlton is on the 7th. Carlton Hall's works on Sunday and Wednesday. He's off Tuesday, Thursday. Sometimes he's off Monday. Sometimes off Wednesday. He'll show up at church. But uh, Carlton's a real good brother. A lot of you know him for all of these years. And the schedule is such with him that he cannot get off. And so, um, but his... If it's possible for his heart to be here, it is here <laughs> while, uh, while he's working uh, over at the Hilton. And so uh, Mike Carlton and then Joseph's at the birthday on the 12th, 17th, Matthew. And then on the 19th, Hannah Krzywonski has a birthday. And then on the 24th, Mary has a birthday. And so uh, yeah, congratulations to all of you. And then a couple of things in the email bulletin. I like to put these little visual bulletin uh, photo gallery things. One says, uh, to renew your love for Christ, review his love for you, which is very true. Uh, and then the one here from Antonio Piano, it says, need a spirit to tune up? Matthew chapter 11. By the way, Joseph has a November thing coming up with the youth symphony. And so he's um, been practicing hard for that. Once a fundraiser, I'm not gonna go. I'm gonna go to the free one. <laughs> it's like 50 bucks. Tickets are all sold already. Oh, sold? Okay. Anyway, um, it's such a good thing for him to pick it up. Not even having any background to it. Uh, Brother Bobby is not the villas. He needs your prayers. He's doing better. And uh, when he gets home, uh, he'll have some home care. So keep him in your prayers. Brother Tim, uh, haven't seen him for a couple of weeks, but uh, he needs prayer too. He's got dementia. And... Uh, I always try to bring up people's names and faces, show them pictures from my phone about who you are so that he remembers a little bit. Oh, who's that? Who's that? Oh, that's that's Mary. Mary who? You know, Mary Poppins? Oh, that one. <laughs> Things like that. You know? Oh, that's Jake, and that's Miranda, and that's Joan, and that's Mike, and you know, so on like that. So uh, he's he always cracks a little funny smile when he remembers you. And so pray for them. And then... Um, Couple things in the bulletin about uh, praying before you go out into the face before you go out to face the world. Go into your prayer closet, which is very good. Daily prayers, the best remedy for daily cares. That's very true. It's been encouraging to uh, see God doing some things in people's lives recently, last two three weeks. And a lot of these things I can't share with you because it's personal. But I see, uh, and I'm glad to tell you that um, the Lord has been answering some prayers about some issues in people's lives. And uh, that's really encouraging to me and to the individual who has been praying for some issues. And so uh, it came to light at uh, the men's prayer time before this service that there's a 10-year-old girl, one of Mike's co-workers' daughters, Kiki, has a brain tumor. And so she needs your prayers. So if you folks remember that too, Kiki, 10-year-old girl, they're now on the main end, they're taking radiation, she is. And so pray for her too, that God will heal her. And um, we do, we do hope that it is God's will that she gets healed and that he'll be honored and glorified because of that. And the parents will look to, to the Lord because people are praying for the daughter. So, um, and then pray for Israel. Uh, Israel is always being blamed for the cause of problems and death, but not the case. Israel has always defended themselves. And uh, they are the ones who have always been attacked and they retaliate to defend themselves. And so uh, do not listen to the news media generally. There are some good sources that you can listen to, but CNN, MSNBC, the network stations, they're going to tell you the same old tripe, that they are the guilty ones and that uh, the Palestinians are the poor, suffering, 
uh, persecuted people. Don't believe that. And uh, so uh, we have a friend, uh, not a personal friend, but Nathan has a friendship with this man in Israel now. He's a missionary from the U.S. He's in the northern parts of Israel, and he gives first-hand reports about what's really going on. They are not in danger. They're kind of safe, but um, he has a little charts on, uh, of the map of Israel where Hamas has attacked and so on, and um, he's highlighted different parts, the hot spots, and where it's pretty safe. But uh, pray, for, pray for God's people. As imperfect as they are, they are still God's people. They're God's chosen people, and uh, they own the land. God gave it to them. It's still their land, and um, they're going to have it eventually, but through a lot of, uh, a lot of sorrow, I'm afraid, but that's the nature of how things have gone. All right, uh, we're happy that Jamie's here. She brought a friend with her, and we'd like to know you better sometime. We'd like to um, uh, let you know about the church and what we teach and so on like that. So, Jamie, good girl. Is that good? That bread? Pretty good, huh? By the way, uh, um, Larry brought some of the Spanish rolls, Spanish buffs. What do you call them? Spanish what? Spanish bread. Spanish bread. It is totally, totally awesome. And so if you're starving, you want to eat that. All you got to add to that is some scrambled eggs and some ham and cheese. It is perfect. But it's still good there. So uh, my suggestion is don't eat any more anyone back there because um, there's about, I don't know how much left, but don't eat that because it's not good for you really. Uh, it's not healthy for you, so we'll have to dispose of that after church. We're also happy to have Mike teach for us. Uh, he, I give him an assignment to teach as far as, uh, what not what to teach, but the time slot. Uh, it used to be topical, A to Z. Now, you know, Mike, whatever you feel that uh, of the Lord to teach and preach. So he's got the first two Sundays of the month. So November 1, the first two weeks, December 1st week, that's the the pattern and so I know you folks always enjoy it you get something out of it and so um anyway I'm gonna step aside and Mike you got the floor actually get the whole thing go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 29 Proverbs Chapter 29. And we're going to read verse 1. It's the only verse we're going to read. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1 says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Let's read it one more time. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. You remember not too long ago about that tourist submarine that went down to view the wreckage of the Titanic? Yeah. And then they lost communication. They didn't know where they were. It was all over the news. You had all these search teams looking for those people down in that that uh, submarine, which um, they paid, I don't know, $100,000 or something each to go down there. And of course, we found out uh, what everybody was hoping was not the case, we found out that it had imploded and they all perished. Did you know that the owner of that submarine was warned multiple times by different engineers and, and people that were knowledgeable about the way that was constructed? He was warned, or somebody was warned that had the decision-making process in them going down there, they were warned 
that it was not safe because the way that was designed and the pressure and, and the depths and all those uh, conditions where they were gonna go, they were warned, somebody was warned many times that it was unsafe to go down to those depths in that craft. Yet they, somebody ignored the warnings and we see the result. Here we have in our verse here, where it says, he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. And the Bible is describing somebody who is warned, who has been reproved, warned repeatedly. They have a rebellious response to it. They ignore the warning and we see the end result of that. We see many times in the Bible where people were warned about certain things. We see entire cities that were warned. We see all throughout history, we see there's examples of people who are warned of certain things yet they do not heed the warning, they scoff at the warning, they ignore the warning, and then we see the end result, it ends up in tragedy. And the message of my, or the uh, title of my message this morning is result, the result of rebellion. The result of rebellion. I'm gonna give you four things about people who are reproved, their response, and the outcome. Number one, I want you to notice in this verse there is a repetitive reproof, a repetitive reproof. Notice the Bible says, he that being often reproved, often reproved. What is a reproof? What does that word mean, reproof? A reproof is basically a rebuke, a scolding, an admonition, or a warning. Did you know preaching involves reproving? Paul instructed Timothy, he said, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So when somebody preaches the Bible, reproof is part or should be involved in the preaching at least some of the time. It involves that. The Bible, uh, Jesus said the Holy Spirit when he comes, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So that's one of the Holy Spirit's jobs, is to reprove people. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So the Bible is beneficial for reproving us. Reproving is a good thing because it rebukes, it scolds, it, it warns us to do the right thing and not to do the wrong thing. The Bible says in another verse in Proverbs, it says, Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So reproofs are good and beneficial often. God's reproofs are often repetitive. God repeats his reproofs. The Bible says in this verse, he that being often reproved, not just once, not just twice, but often, many times, repetitive. No, normally in the Bible, when God has warned somebody about something before he pronounced judgment on that individual or on that nation, he warned them not just once, not just twice, but many times over and over and over. God in his mercy reproves and warns people many times before he finally brings about judgment. He gives them a chance to repent and avoid the consequences. God's reproofs are repetitive. Uh, God gives ample warning. If you Think about it, Noah's Ark, you know how long it took Noah to, and, uh, to build that ark? Over 100 years. That means that the people, when they, they were warned of God's judgment and they see Noah building that ark, 
uh, undoubtedly it, it striked their, their curiosity and, and many people I would imagine at that time asked Noah, what in the world are you building? You've, you've been um, building this giant thing for so, for so long, what in the world are you building? And he says, I'm building a boat. They asked him, what for? And he, he told them, because a flood is coming, judgment is coming. Now, if it took Noah over 100 years, that means the people who, who witnessed that, they had over 100 years to repent before the flood came. Yet we know that only eight people were spared. God often gives plenty of time and plenty of chances, plenty of warning for people to repent before he brings about judgment. The Bible says, Enoch prophesied, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Do you know when Enoch prophesied that? Do you know when Enoch lived in the Bible? It was way, way back in the book of Genesis. And we read in Jude, Enoch prophesied, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. We see, we read in the New Testament that it says that Enoch, when he was alive, way, way back thousands of years ago, prophesied of the second coming. He hasn't come yet. That means for that whole time, God has given people chance to repent and get ready for the second coming. God often is very, very merciful and gives plenty of chances for people to repent and heed his reproofs before he finally brings about judgment. God's reproof, reproofs, I think, are so repetitive sometimes that that's one of the reasons why people don't take them seriously. People say, well, I've heard that. Oh, Pete, those Christians, they've been, they've been talking about that for so long. I remember back in the 70s when they were saying that Jesus Christ, you know, the second coming, Jesus Christ coming back. And then in the 80s, there was this big fad. And then this guy wrote this book and oh, it's all over the internet. They're saying with these, the, the, the lunar eclipse and the blood moon and all of this. And, and yeah, there's some kooks and wackos that, that try to capitalize on all of these events and things that we should ignore. But most people, they don't, they don't know their Bible well enough. And so they get caught up in that stuff. But I think people have, have heard some of these things for so long that they just dismiss it as being true because they've heard it for so long and it hasn't happened. That's one way of God giving people mercy and a chance to repent and give them plenty of time and plenty of opportunity. God warned Israel many times in the Old Testament. He says, listen, if you obey me, if you keep my commandments, I will take care of you. I will bless your crops. You will be healthy. I will protect you from your enemies. Everything will be great economy will be good taxes won't go up all of those great things and then he said on the flip side if you disobey me the opposite will happen the plagues that i put upon egypt i will put them upon you your enemies will come and they will invade you they will take you captive they will take your your young men as slaves they will do whatever they want with your women they will eat of the crops that you labored for. They will inhabit your houses. It will be hell on earth for you. And Israel, they did not heed the warning. They disobeyed God. They eventually started worshiping idols. And we see what happened to the Israel in the Bible. They went away into Gentile captivity. We see what happened to Jerusalem in 70 AD. We see what happened in World War II. We see all through history what has happened with the nation of Israel. And God warned them. Way, way back, God warned them in the book of Exodus what would happen if they disobeyed him. God reproves not just his, his national children, Israel, but he reproves his children in the New Testament. The Bible says 
Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, neither faint when thou art reproved of him or rebuked of him, the Bible says. So there is a repetitive reproof there in the Bible, and God's reproofs are often repetitive. He doesn't just warn people once or twice. Many times it is repetitive. Number two, I want you to see there's something else in this verse I want to speak of, and that would be a rebellious response. Notice it says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck. Hardeneth his neck. What is that? That is a rebellious response. Uh, there, there are some verses in the Bible that, that speak of this. What does that mean to harden your neck? That means that, that's a metaphor. That means to, to make your neck stiff where, where you're not flexible. You're not going to move. You're stubborn. You're not going to yield. Stiff. You ever woke up one morning with a stiff neck after maybe you, you uh, had the wrong sleeping position or something and all of a sudden you wake up and you try to turn. Oh, my neck, my neck, my neck. I can't, can't turn. Oh, it hurts so bad. Oh, I need to put a hot pad on it or massage it or something and you try everything you can and it's just, oh, it is so painful. You feel like you're getting old. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there, was a, there was somebody talked about a, uh, uh, one of these stand-up comedians who was talking about you know aches and pains, all that. He said, you ever woke, woke up in the morning and found out that you were injured while you were sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> It's like that verse in Proverbs talking about the drunk man. I will awake and somebody beat me and I didn't feel it. But I'm thinking, yeah, but I wasn't drunk. All I did was sleep. And then I woke up and I still feel like, oh, man, what's going on? Ah, I need to. Sometimes I wake up, I feel like the, reminds me of the, the tin man on the Wizard of Oz. Remember, <laughs> he's all stiff and he's, he can barely move. And, 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 and um, he's talking about... Um, What's the girl's name of Reservoir? Dorothy. Dorothy. It's like, I need oil, oil. And she squeezes us some little oil. And I know this because we watched it with uh, Nathan and Justin not too long ago, old classic. And she, she, she squeezes some oil on there. And, and then you can finally move. Oh, that feels wonderful. Sometimes I, I feel like, man, I feel like that tin man. I just, oh, man, so stiff and get all these muscle knots and. There was there was a time when I had these knots in the my upper back. The, the uh, physical therapist they said in the orthopedic doctor he said it was from surfing. You know you're paddling on your surfboard for for years and years and years while you're looking up like this, and then it just over over time you know it just wears out and you. So I have this condition the chronic. These these knots it gets so tight all around my uh, shoulder blades and my neck and. At one point, I had no idea what it was, and it made my neck so stiff and tight, and I thought, well, the problem is in my neck. I couldn't even look back when I'm reversing in the car. I couldn't even look back when I'm reversing out the, the rear window because I couldn't turn my neck. I went to the, the doctor. I said, something's wrong with my neck. I found out it wasn't my neck. It was all these muscles in my upper back, and it was... And because all those um, those muscles, I had all these these knots and trigger points, and everything. It was affecting my neck, and so I had a, a very stiff neck. <laughs> and I I still have to you know get this massage cane and do all of this this routine maintenance just to. <laughs> Take up tennis. <laughs> well, that ruined my shoulder. I did take up tennis. <laughs> and I had a bad shoulder. And then those serves, 
I had a, I did have a, a shoulder surgery, and then um, it was. I continued doing push-ups and, and tennis, and it was in pain. I thought, well, that's just the scar tissue, so I have to just work through that pain. But I was actually tearing my rotator cuff, so then I had rotator cuff surgery. So I'm just a, I'm a wreck, and so that's why I trained jujitsu. <laughs> Try to keep everything loose, but it uh, seems to have the opposite effect sometimes. Anyway, so a stiff neck, a hardened neck, what is that? I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 17. That is a metaphor for, for having a rebellious response, for being inflexible, stubborn. Go to 2 Kings chapter 17. Second Kings chapter 17, look at verse 14. 2 Kings 17, 14. If you look in verse 13, it's talked about how God sent prophets and his servants to bring about warnings and reproofs. And look at verse 14. Notwithstanding, they would not hear, but hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. So that's what that's talking about as far as in the Proverbs it says hardening your neck. Look at another one, Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 26. Jeremiah 7, verse 26. Yet they hearkened not unto me, nor inclined their ear, but hardened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed in that without remedy. They had somebody in that, in Proverbs is describing, and elsewhere it's describing a rebellious response. Hardening their neck, stiffening their neck, stubborn, rebellious, hard-headed, hardening their heart. You ever heard of a, a stubborn mule? You try to try to break that mule in and try to train him and try to get him to do what you want to do, and he just mm, straightens those those front legs and will not move. Stiff, stiff, stubborn, stubborn, rebellious. He what is he doing? He's rebelling against the the command of somebody that wants him to to do what they want to. Just mm, I'm not going to move. I'm unmovable. Stiff. Stiff, stiff, won't heed the reproof. There's people who they will not receive Jesus Christ. Why? Rebellious response. They will not submit to God's authority. They will not. They will not heed God's reproofs. Rebellious response towards God's reproof. The Bible says, they hate him that rebuketh at the gate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. Jesus said, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. I read an article about a plane that crashed and everybody perished on the plane. I don't know, I can't remember how big the plane was, but when they recovered the black box, the black box is a recording device that they try to recover to try to get clues of how the plane crashed and it records, it's auto recording, audio recording of the, the pilot and what he said moments before the plane crashed and they covered that black box and they played that, they played that, they heard the pilot talking and they heard the pilot, there was a warning system and they could hear on that black box the warning system which was going off, an automated warning system. 
with a computerized voice warning the pilot that something was wrong with the plane and telling him to, to do something or maneuver the plane or whatever because the, the plane was in danger and about to crash. And the pilot thought that that warning system was malfunctioning. He thought it was a false alarm and it was irritating. And they heard the pilot saying, <coughs> shut up, shut up, shut up to that warning system. Think he was a mal malfunctioning false alarm and he was just a nuisance. It was just bothering him. Plane crashed. Plane crashed and he perished. Didn't heed the warning. Didn't heed the warning. Actually told the warning to shut up when it was trying to save his life. You know a lot of people do that to the Word of God. Right. You know a lot of people do that when it comes to the preaching of the Word of God. You know throughout the years I've been, been involved in different street ministries, public ministries throughout the country. We've gone out with signs, passing out tracts preaching on the street, preaching out of public, been to areas where there's a lot of foot traffic, done it in Waikiki, done it in uh, Bourbon Street in New Orleans, done it in different cities across the country, public preaching, preaching the word of God, passing out tracts. And you know what? Almost every time I have heard somebody yell when we've been out there is, shut up! As they're walking by. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear the word of God. They don't want to hear the reproof of the word of God. They don't want to hear of warning of God's judgment to come. The Bible says. Right. They don't want to hear it. Just like that pilot in the plane. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. I'm in control of the plane. It's not going to crash. I'm not going to crash this plane. I'm the pilot. I know what's going on. There's nothing wrong here. And there's a warning box saying. Too low, too low, pull up, pull up, maneuver. There's, there's a mountain, there's this, there's that. You're in danger, danger, danger. And he's saying, shut up. And he died, and he died. He didn't heed the warning. A rebellious response, stiff neck, stiff neck. In the Bible, King Jehoiakim, some, uh, one of the prophets came and a scribe came and had him some of the, the writings from, from that, um, that Jeremiah dictated to the scribe and Jehoiakim didn't like it. It talked about judgment that was going to come to his kingdom and he didn't like it. And you know what he did? He tore some of the pages out and threw them in the fire, in the furnace, and burned it. Burned the word of God. Burned the very thing that was designed to warn him. Burned it. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. Many people throughout church history have burned Bibles. They don't like the contents of the Bible. They don't like it. I remember years ago, I had my car that I dropped off at one of these backyard mechanics to fix my car out on the North Shore many years ago. And the state of Hawaii issued a tsunami warning. There was a supposed tsunami that was headed for Hawaii. And I got that notification before they, the siren sounded and a friend of mine at the time, um, gave me a ride to go pick up my car because it was he had finished working on it. And so we went there real early in the morning. I went there to get my car and I said, Wayne, he said, Wayne, he, the guy, his name was Wayne. He said, why are you, well, we, I, I didn't expect you here so early. Why are you here so early? I said, Wayne, there's a tsunami warning. They're gonna, they issued a tsunami warning that, and I need to get my car out of here because he lived right near the beach on the North Shore. And I said, they're gonna sound the siren. They're supposed to sound the sirens in, the, in about 30 minutes. The sirens are gonna sound. I, I'm gonna get my car out of here. I'm gonna evacuate. I need to get my car out of here because you're so close to the ocean. And he, and I said, where do you, where do you plan on going? He said, I'm going where I went for the last tsunami, right here in my house. 
He said, you know what, every time they issue those tsunami warnings, nothing ever happens and everybody just panics and, and evacuates and I'm not going any, anywhere, I'm staying right here in my house. You know, that is the problem, the mindset of many people. Right. When they hear about warnings, they hear about spiritual warnings, they hear warnings about the Word of God, they're so complacent, they've heard it so many times before, they figure nothing has happened in the past, therefore nothing's going to happen in the future, and they don't heed the warning. And then what happens? Finally, when the real thing happens, now, thank God, the tsunami, you know, normally when they detect a tsunami, they don't know at the time how big it's going to be and what kind of impact it's going to make. So they have to monitor, you know, the, wherever it originates, like Alaska or South America or wherever, Japan. And a lot of times they have to see the, the island that the tsunami hits that's between there and Hawaii before they can gauge the type of impact that it might have. And many times, thankfully, we've, we've been spared for the past, the past few, but... The, the scientists, what do they say? It's not a matter of, it's not if, it's when. They say Hawaii is due for another tsunami. I mean, one that's going to cause damage. And so many people, because they have these supposed false alarms, they become complacent. They don't heed the warning. And then the real thing happens, and it's too late. It's too late. When the fires destroyed Lahaina recently, the head of the Civil Defense Department on Maui was heavily criticized, and I believe rightly so, for not issuing a warning of, with the sirens. And his defense was that those sirens are meant for tsunamis and the people would have run to the mountains toward the fire instead of away from it. Uh, of course, he was corrected and they said, no, those, those sirens are not exclusively used for tsunamis. They're used for all kinds of emergency purposes. So the people were complaining, well, we had no warning from the sirens about the fire, which is true. They, did, they should have issued the warning with those sirens, I believe. And they've made that, uh, that decision that uh, they were wrong for not issuing a warning with those sirens. So the people said, we didn't even have any warning from our, from our, gov our local government about that raging fire. But you know, people today, they have warning about a fire that's coming. And the Bible calls it the lake of fire. And this morning, I'm warning you. I'm giving you a warning from the word of God that there is coming judgment. And if you're not saved, if you're not washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, figuratively speaking, if your sins have not been forgiven by trusting Jesus Christ, you are headed for judgment. The Bible calls it hell. The Bible calls it a lake of fire. You know, Christians rebel against God sometimes. Do, your, do, do children ever have a rebellious response to their parents? Yes, they do. You better believe it. And God's children sometimes also have a rebellious response against God. Sometimes they get offended. They, they, they don't understand why God allows certain things to happen. They get mad at the pastor. They get mad at God. They get mad at all kinds of things. You know, the Bible says, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Sometimes because of God's mercy, people say, well, I've gotten away with this for so many times, it must not be that bad or, or God would have chastened me already. 
well, you know, they say that, you know, if, 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 if you do this, then this might happen. But I see so many people that they, they do that and, and it, nothing ever happens, like they say. Kids try to justify things like that. Oh, mom and dad, they told me, you know, if I do this, then this will happen. But all my friends are doing it and they're just fine. You ever heard of these guys that commit crimes and you find out they have this rap sheet a mile long? You're thinking, why was this guy out on, loose on, on the street? Why did they grant him parole? Why did they give him an early release? He did this and did this and did this and committed all these crimes. And then what? Did, he's a career criminal, obviously. He's a habitual offender. Did they think that, oh, he's reformed now <laughs> after 20 years of crimes? And they think he's okay now, and now he's out on the street. And look what happened. He's been out of prison for one month, and then he killed somebody. That stupid judge or prosecutor, whoever it was, that made that decision. That reminds me of that verse in the Bible. There was a man by the name of Edward Rooks in the state of Nebraska. Guess how many times he had been arrested? You won't believe it. 652 times. Why was he able to be arrested that many times? Why, you would think after 600 times, they would say, <laughs> throw away the key and lock him up for life. But no, 652 times he was arrested. Why? I would imagine part of the reason is because the judgment was not severe enough to prevent him from committing, he shouldn't have been out able to commit that many crimes and be arrested that many times. All right, number three. Go back to Proverbs chapter 29. We saw there is a repetitive reproof. We saw there was a rebellious response. And now we're going to look at something else in that verse. He that Proverbs 29.1, he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck, it says, shall suddenly be destroyed. Shall suddenly be destroyed. There is a regretful ruin. Shall suddenly be destroyed. We've seen nations, individuals in the Bible throughout history who have gone through this and they did not heed God's reproofs and they were destroyed. The Bible says the wicked shall be destroyed and all nations that forget God the Bible says destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity what happened to the city of Sodom destroyed what happened to Jerusalem in 70 AD destroyed what happened to Nebuchadnezzar destroyed what happened to all these other people these these wicked kings in the Bible destroyed the Bible says the wages of sin is death the Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. The Bible says, He that hateth reproof shall die. I remember reading about a hurricane that hit the mainland somewhere on the east coast. And these people, they were warned to evacuate because the hurricane was coming, and they decided to stay, and they decided not only to stay, but to throw a hurricane party. They were going to... They didn't have to work, and so they decided, well, we're just going to ride out this storm, and we're going to just live it up and have a party and get drunk and, and have a good old time and ride out this hurricane. And every single one of those adults died except an eight-year-old boy. 
the innocent victim. Didn't heed the warning. What happened? Destroyed. Destroyed. You know, Christians are not immune to this. The Bible says there is a sin unto death. <coughs> Christian doesn't lose his salvation, but there can come a time when you exhaust the mercy of God and finally his judgment comes and the Bible does say in extreme cases there is a sin unto death. Even if somebody dies, there have been ruined lives, ruined health, ruined families, all kinds of things because of sin, because of what we've been reading in this verse here, because they do not heed the warnings of God. Ruined lives. Regretful ruin. I read about a woman recently who worked for American Airlines. She was out doing her job. There was a plane that still had the engines on for, for whatever reason. They were uh, doing some maintenance and everything. And they instructed the employees. Many times it's in the training manual. Uh, they, they're, they're warned when they're on the job, whenever there's a plane and still has the engines on, that there is a certain perimeter, there's a certain area in front of those engines that you're not supposed to go, they call it the, the ingestion zone because those engines are so strong and they're sucking in that air, the force is so strong, it can suck somebody right into the engine. And there was an American Airlines employee who was, they said, was warned many times about the danger of that. And she got too close and it sucked her in the engine and died, and she died. Terrible, terrible thing. A regretful ruin. And finally, I want to talk about the last part of that verse. It says, He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. A refused remedy. Refused remedy. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Verse 15. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly he be broken without remedy, without remedy. No relief, no rescue, no remedy. Aren't you thankful that we live in a day and age where they have pain remedies? Aren't you thankful for Novocaine when you go to the dentist? <laughs> of course, you hate getting that initial shot. Even then, though, they have this numbing agent, so you don't even feel the shot now anymore. It's just great, isn't it? I mean, you don't like your mouth all numb, and your, it feels like your, your cheek's all fat, and your lips are drooling, and you're biting your tongue. They say, don't eat for the next few hours because you could bite your tongue, and you, uh, you feel all... But it, that beats the pain any day, doesn't it? Pain remedies. You go and have surgery, and they have the anesthesia and uh, you, you get dismissed discharged from the hospital and they give you a prescription you know Vicodin or whatever if you have pain uh, pain remedies are great but you know what there's no remedy for people in the end who have lived a life of rejecting the, the God's reproof the Bible says shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy when God's judgment comes oftentimes there's no remedy you cannot take a pain reliever, a pain remedy. You cannot. What what is what remedy do people have when they're in hell? You know the rich man in Luke chapter sixteen. He couldn't even get a drop of water on his tongue. He was thirsty. He couldn't even get a remedy to his thirst. What remedy is there for somebody suffering the pains of hell? None. The Bible says, 
The smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. There is no sleep remedy. There is no pain remedy. There is no remedy for somebody when they go to hell, when they have ignored the warnings of God, and they've been, they've been told, you need to be saved. You need to have forgiveness of your sins. There's, there's a coming judgment. The Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. When we were... Traveling to the mainland, and we were on the on the plane with uh, Nathan and, and Justin. So I remember this this one flight. Um, our our seats were a little bit um, broken up. We couldn't all sit together because it was a smaller plane. So there was only um, like it was the rows were only two seats, and so we couldn't all sit together. So Hannah and Justin had to seat two seats, and then it was um, Nathan and I in in two seats. A few actually, we had when we booked it, I had booked it for all of us to sit. Um, close to each other but then it was a the plane wasn't full so they had to move us so they could distribute the weight for the plane during the takeoff and so they they had to change our seats so anyway uh justin and hannah were sitting in two seats way up front and as they normally do before we take off the flight attendant is there giving a safety demonstration uh, demonstrating how to wear the oxygen mask if we lose the the oxygen in the in the uh, the cabin and the air pressure all that and and the safety vest and all of that and of course normally when they're doing that people are they're not even paying attention they're on their cell phone or or distracted by something they're not paying attention they've seen it so many times before and the the flight attendant who was giving that demonstration she said that justin is the only one who paid attention little justin little three-year-old justin he's just there just watching her she's putting on the little mask putting on the vest talking about how to bubble the seatbelt, and justin's just there just watching her and she was so impressed with little justin watching her that she gave him the little mask and let him put it on and and have fun with all of that stuff and she was she said to hannah oh he's the only one in the whole plane that paid attention to me Now, why do most people not pay attention? I didn't pay attention to it. I've seen it many times. I'm just, you know, look on my phone or doing reading a book or something. I'm not paying attention to her. I've seen it many times. Do you know the main reason why people don't pay attention to those safety demonstrations in the plane? Because most people don't think that that's going to happen. They all, you know, flying is the safest way to travel and it is statistically speaking regardless of people who have fears of flying and and so people think ah oh, you know I'm not gonna need that that's not gonna happen so they don't pay attention do you think people would pay attention differently if they knew that that plane was gonna have to make maybe an emergency landing in the ocean that they knew that they were going to lose cabin pressure and they were getting the oxygen mask going to come fall from the ceiling and they're going to have to put that on. If everybody, if the, the pilot said, if, what if the pilot was already in the air? I mean, the plane was already flying and the pilot comes in and announces, I'm sorry to, to, to make this announcement, but we're having engine trouble and this and this and that, and, and here's what we are anticipating, and we are hundreds of miles from the, from the nearest airport. We're over the ocean, and, 
And worst case scenario, I hope it doesn't happen, but, but it looks like we're going to have to make an emergency landing in the ocean. And the, and the flight attendant comes to and she says, everybody, please pay close attention. Here's what you need to do. Here's what's going to happen. Here, when we land, here's exactly what you need to do. Everybody, they would drop their cell phone. They would be glued. They would be shaking. And they would, be, they would not miss a word that, that, that she's saying. Right? Or you think everybody just be complacent? Uh, I don't believe it. Oh, I'm on my phone. I'm taking that. I'm watching this little movie with my headphones. I don't know. Be a lot different. You know what? This ride that we're on called life, this plane ride that we're on called life, this ship that we're on called life, it's going to come to an end. It's going to come to an end. You say, ah, I don't believe it. I don't think it's going to... You know it's going to come to an end. Just go drive around and look at the cemeteries. The casual rate of human beings is 100%. It's going to come to an end. And the Bible has warnings safety warnings about what to do to prepare when that time happens. You don't know when it's going to happen. Oh, well, it's going to happen. I have so many years left. I can, I, I'm young now. I can prepare. I have plenty of time to prepare. You may not. You may not. The Bible gives repetitive reproofs. There is no remedy. You must have a lifeboat. Those people on the Titanic, they say that, that the, the captain or whoever built that ship, he said, even God himself couldn't sink this ship. And it sunk. Some of those people, they had lifeboats. Some of the people did not. And they perished. Two types of people, survivors and casualties. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, educated, uneducated, doesn't matter. Two types of people, survivors and casualties. In the Bible, there's two types of people, saved and lost. You either saved, you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you have eternal life, and the death angel will pass over you if you have the blood, and God's wrath will pass over you, or you're lost, and the Bible says that you will be judged for your sins. Man says, the Bible says without remedy. Man says, Here's a remedy for my sin. Good works. I will live a good life. That'll make up for my sin. I will become religious. I will go to church. I will get baptized. I will do all these good things. That will be a remedy for my sin. That will take away my sin or that will, that will make up for my sin. No, no, it won't. In the Bible, the only remedy for your sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ. If you're lost, you're headed to what the Bible calls the white throne judgment, and there is no remedy. Once you get there, there is no remedy for your sin, for the penalty of your sin. So in the Bible, that is, in that one verse, four things I want you to see this morning. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. We saw number one. There was repetitive reproof. Number two, we saw a rebellious response. 
Number three, we saw a regretful ruin. Number four, we said we saw a refused remedy. I pray this morning that if anybody here who, if somebody here does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that they would heed the warning from God's word that there is appointed, it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. God in his mercy is giving you ample warning to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Receive him as your Savior. Don't trust your, your good works or your religion or your church membership, your water baptism, but faith in Jesus Christ alone. I pray if, if you are saved, you've already trusted Christ as your Savior, that if, if there's some other warnings that you've been ignoring in your life, that you would, you would repent and, and heed the warnings so that there wouldn't be something that would come up where God would have to chasten you. And, and the Bible says, if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that, that we should not be condemned with the world. I'll close with this. I remember Nathan, my six-year-old son, Nathan. I caught him doing something wrong and I confronted him about it and he lied. And I knew he was lying. He's developed this habit, which it's, you know, when little kids lie, it's so obvious. And he reminds me of myself when I was young. And I said, Nathan, why did you do this and this, that? And he gets this look on his face and he says, what? I said, what do you mean, what? Did you not hear me? He goes, What? He's pretending he didn't hear what I asked him. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to buy time so he can think of a lie to get out of it. What? With his lips, what? I said, don't say what. You heard what I said. Don't, don't, act, don't, don't act dumb. Don't pretend that you didn't hear me. I said, why did you do that? What? <laughs> I said, what, you're, you're trying to think of a lie? And then he starts, well, um, um, well, mommy this, well, this, I, I said, no, 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 no. I said, Nathan, you better tell me the truth. If you lie to me, you're going to be in trouble. I said, you, and sometimes I, I give him a chance. I said, Nathan, if you lie to me, you're going to be in big trouble. You're going to get a spanking. If you tell me the truth, then I won't spank you this time. But if you lie to me, you're getting a spanking. So tell me the truth. Sometimes he tells me the truth, sometimes he doesn't. If he doesn't, and I find out, well, then he gets punished. But see, I have mercy on him because he confesses, he fesses up, he tells me the truth, even though he did wrong. And I'll reprove him. I'll say, okay, listen, I'm not going to, you're not going to get a spanking this time because you told me the truth. But I'm telling you, if you do it again, you will be in trouble. You understand? The Bible says, if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. What does that mean? That means when you realize, you know what, God, in your word, you said this. And, you know, I know I shouldn't have done it. I'm a Christian. I, shouldn't, I know better than that. 
and I feel bad about it. I'm going to repent. God, I'm going to confess my sins to you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's not talking about how to get saved. That's talking about what you do after you are saved. If we judge ourselves, judge yourself. God, I'm wrong. I'm guilty. Nathan went to David. He says, thou art the man. You need to do that to yourself. I'm the man. I'm guilty. Thou art the man. God, please forgive me. If, you judge, if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Meaning, okay, I, I judged myself. I confessed. I repented. So God, I'm going to prevent being chastened by God. But when we are judged, meaning you don't judge yourself, now God has to judge you. When we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned of the world. You can prevent a lot of these things that the Bible warns us against by your own conduct. But if you have the attitude and the response like we read about in that one verse in Proverbs, we see the end result. Let's pray. Lord, thank you once again for the word of God. I pray that we would take these things seriously, that we would learn from lessons of history, lessons of people in the Bible. I pray especially if there's anybody here who's not sure of their salvation, that they would understand that they would receive Christ as your Savior. I pray for everybody that we would live for you the best way we can so that we'd be pleasing to you and and live a victorious, abundant life in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.